millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, a show dedicated to helping you actually live the life that you love. I'm your host, Amrit Sandhu, international speaker, global coach, and loving podcaster. As a gift for tuning into this podcast, I have something really special just for you. My premium short course, which can teach you how to meditate in just seven days. You can download it now at www.inspiredevolution.com forward slash learn. That's www.inspiredevolution.com forward slash learn. Learn how to meditate in just seven days. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this powerfully insightful conversation. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the latest episodes launching every Monday designed to help you live the life you love and keep you inspired to evolve. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution and it is a treat to be here today. We have with us Michael Bayless. Michael, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. It's been so long since I've seen your you and your bright <laughs> smiles. So, I was getting so nervous because I haven't been in video for a while on public domain and I haven't been interviewed for a while too. I've done the interviewing, so mm. <laughs> I'll have to try to stop myself from asking you questions <laughs> and answer questions. <laughs> they tell me if I go off the rails too much. I might just join you off the rails if you know anything about the evolution, <laughs> the rabbit holes, we live for them. For those tuning into Michael for the first time, he's been an activist for the past seven years with an environmental and post-growth movements. What is post-growth? That's a great question. I can't wait to ask it in just a moment. Previously, he's coordinated various community, uh, grassroots community groups in Melbourne. And some of these groups are doing it ourselves, the Gnomes, uh, the Gnomes Urban Gardening Network. 
He's a participant in the International Post-Growth Alliance, which is basically run by the Post-Growth Institute. He co-founded PPP, Population, Permaculture and Planning, in 2015. And uh, has since PPP has since developed workshops to activists and environmentalists all across Australia. Michael has been involved with the Sustainable Population Australia since 2013 in such roles as Victoria and Tasmania's branch president and currently is the natural comms manager. And he's got his own podcast, which I love, right, called the Post-Growth Podcast. So tell me a little bit about what's going on with Post-Growth. The Australia podcast is fun to listen to just because you're in there and, and like, I love your humor, but I would love to sort of know for those tuning in post-growth, like it's not something that we're, it's not a collective, it's not part of our day-to-day vernacular. What are you, what are you alluding to there? What are you trying to teach us? I guess basically what I'm alluding to is that we are living in a social and economic system that assumes infinite growth on a finite planet. So the whole economic system is geared towards increasing the gross domestic product year after year after year, which Mm. means extracting more of the planet's resources and uh, entrenching further inequality. Um, So I suppose from an ecological perspective, it's where one species trying to do things one way on larger and larger scales Mm. um, on a finite resource base, uh, or or at least finite in terms of one species doing one thing in one direction. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, if you look at the laws of exponential growth, like I think the world's average GDP over the last 100 years has been growing by, you know, two or 3% per year in, in, in countries such as China the last couple of decades, you know, six or 7%, um, which doesn't sound like too much at first, but when you start adding 7% on 7% every year. Compound um, interest is the eighth wonder of the world, apparently, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then you've yeah. doubled in 30 years. And so mm. you can't just keep doing that and um, if you look at history of uh, societies that have exceeded their resource base uh, what you find is that civilizations tend to collapse after a while Um, there's a boom period and then you know you're struck with but then the system becomes so fragile because you're at odds with nature Mm. and so then you're so vulnerable to supply shocks, to demand shocks and natural disasters. And as soon as that happens, everything collapses like a house of cards. And um, I believe our current global society is seeing the beginning of that. Yeah. Um, How so? Well, with COVID for a start and the fact that, you know, in Australia, if you look at, although our gross domestic domestic product has been increasing year after year per capita, um, it's been stagnating or especially recently falling. When you look at wealth inequality, when you look at the money system and 90% of the money doesn't exist, when we're um, running out of finite fossil fuels we're all fossil fuel 
babies, you know, this, um, the planet, in my opinion, can only sustain 7.8 billion of us consuming it the way we do now um, mm -hmm. because we're extracting fossil fuels out of the ground of a, um, at increasing volumes. And, you know, that has to come to an end, that has to peak. Um, I suppose even psychologically, the fact that no one knows what is real, what is not anymore, the fact that you see the left uh, bicker and bark at each other whilst populist right-wing governments um, win election after election uh, at the same time that the multinational corporates just, <laughs> you know, reap reap the benefits at the bank whilst everyone's like, you know, mm. barking at each other over diminishing points of difference. Um, I think in our hearts we know it's madness mm. and that we don't believe it anymore. We don't believe in a fallacy of growth. So um, I've had a bit of a habit over my life of choosing unconventional and sometimes controversial topics to dip my toe into and advocate. And I have no idea why I don't do that. I mean, <laughs> I would love to be, I'd love to say to people, everything would be okay if you put more solar panels on your roof, then all our problems will go away. I'd probably be more liked by people too. I'd probably have been, um, perhaps if I put the same effort into that as I've done in, everything else that I'm doing now, I might even be a lot more popular than or, or well known than I am now. But um, I suppose the contrarian in me, despite everything, just can't help itself. Mm. And mm. so one of the questions, thank you so much for sharing yourself so vulnerably there. And I think, yeah, for those tuning into the podcast, I I think the way you bring your messages across, I think is really powerful. So I'm excited for those that are tuning in to go check out your podcast. I want to ask you, it seems like the things that you often discuss are emanating from a place of clear reasoning. So there's almost like this voice of reason. And when I hear a lot of the things that you share, it's like, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. And somehow yet the world continues to march on towards this ever-growing, um, this mindset of growth and moving towards it. Whereas, you know, the, the conversation that I've, I've learned from your podcast is, you know, and I'd love to ask you, what is a steady state economy? You know, maybe that's a question for just after this question. But I think initially for me to ask, why do we fly in the face of reason? Is it just because of the way the cogs are already spinning or... Why don't we listen to our reason more in order to sort of dial things back and sort of have this conversation? Okay, I can see that politics isn't working. For me, I try not to get too political on my podcast, but some part of me, you know, can't believe Trump's president. Another part of me is like, it's great that he is because the fact that we can all see that there's like a business, like a guy that literally ran a TV show that was just a business tycoon just firing people left, right and center was just like, that made no sense. And now it's like, well, you believe in your politics, this is what you got now. <laughs> and it's like, wow, there was never a red flag going up before. It's like, I could kind of see it, you know? Um, so there are all these signs, if you will. Um, and yet we, I'm, I'm not sure what we really do about them. Such a good question. 
Um, I'm not just saying that to be diplomatic, Everett. That was actually a very good question. <laughs> you know, whenever interviewees tell me that was such a good question, I'm just like, hmm, do you mean it? <laughs> and, and look, I, I suppose uh, for all my faults, uh, and this degree is a fault, I have a mind that's constantly critically thinking and mm. constantly questioning um it makes me very exhausted <laughs> on a day-to-day -day basis but I, I suppose if there is an advantage it's um and if there's an advantage to being an outsider which i've always seen myself to be i i've always been an outsider to some extent is it gives me the advantage of the outside looking in so mm. I, I i suppose i'm hopefully not caught up by too many of the isms and uh, this is the way things need to be and, 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 and the trappings of, I suppose, consensus reality. Look, I think giving up an economic system is as difficult for people as giving up a religion or changing a diet. Um, and part of that is that we're all, we were all born mm. into a growth-based society, so we actually don't know any different. Uh, furthermore, that alternatives to capitalism, uh, such as, you know, communism, have all ended up in their own disasters and uh, in much way the same issues, if not even more so. Mm. I mean, under the communists, we lost the Aral Sea, for, for example. Um, so th that brings its own environmental footprint and indeed um, uh, social and... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. footprints as well so uh, I, I think that we haven't really been provided any alternatives at work although I would say that when you look at um, Scandinavia when you look at Costa Rica uh, when you look at New Zealand um, which are in the forefront of bringing in uh, a well-being index of living even to some extent um, Bhutan with their uh, happiness index rather than economic growth, although, you know, in Bhutan's case, that comes with a few problems as well. Um, but, you know, when you're born into something, 
I think you just can't imagine a life without that. And, you know, in my opinion, the reality is that um, because so many of the systems are entrenched into growth around money that doesn't exist around, you, you know, services, well, Australia requires um, growing at the size of the Canberra each year just to keep the housing market just to keep the construction industry afloat and so many people are embedded into it uh, I mean anyone who um, benefits from capital gains tax concessions or negative gearing who owns their own home who owns multiple properties require the price of a household to, to keep growing uh, in order to not lose money from it. So, you know, when the Howard government was trying to get everyone who was, you know, middle class to invest in homes and uh, property, it really created a society where everyone's now part of the problem and can't really untangle themselves, otherwise they lose out on a bunch, you know, on an income. Same with superannuation. You know, even the um, cruelty or ethical fundings are all invested in to organisations that make property and, and, you know, entrench the problems of suburban sprawl and um, build new supermarkets and things like that so everything's so bettered everyone's got their finances many people have their finances caught up in it and so breaking out of that um, is painful and I, I suppose when like attracts like and it's almost this magnetic force pulling everyone together um, we've created something that's bigger than Ben-Hur and sometimes I see you know, the economy is almost its own conscious entity, like this mm. demonic entity that's just uh, now we've created it. It's become its own thing that's dictated everything and only when its bubble well bursts will we be free from it. But having said that, um, I think it's good to campaign for alternatives to infinite growth on a finite planet. And uh, if, if and when we fail to do that before the bubble bursts, at least we've got some theories and some ideas. So what comes after uh, doesn't have to completely write the book from scratch. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think one of the remarkable things that you're sharing is just the, the interconnectedness of it all. And I think that's been one of the biggest challenges I face in my day-to-day -day life as well. It's, you know, making certain decisions like as simple as, you know, going to the supermarket and selecting certain things and knowing that everything's dressed in packaging and it's like, like, what do I like feasibly do about this now? You know, like the the farmer's market's only open every so often, you know, and it's just, there's just these convenience things that stick us into place and just watching what that means for the waste and then the flow on effects of that. And, you know, just, and that's just one tiny little microcosm of things and the way you're describing, you know, the way we invest in our homes and how that contributes to the need for potential you know, like persistent growth so that we don't lose out and how we inexorably became part of the problem. Um, yeah. The interconnected, not uh, connectedness of it is, is quite interesting. And I, and I, I really, 
I hear what you're saying in that, you know, like when you are a fish, it's hard to be told that this thing that you're swimming through is water. You know, it's just like that is kind of the world you're in, you know, until you're sort of taken out of it and it's like, whoa, I'm gasping for air. What is this place? You know, and it's like, oh, this is oxygen, different part of the atmosphere, you know. So I I hear what you're saying and what comes up for me is, is the next kind of question for me is, um, yeah, what – how does one begin to vision what is part of your vision for for a world outside of potential consistent growth um uh, you know um yeah like what does i guess that's the name of the podcast right post growth what does post growth look like to you and, and another good question <laughs> thank you Amrit. <laughs> i could see you've been doing this for a while um <laughs> I'm stalling. I'm trying to think of my answer. <laughs> Look, um, recently I interviewed an author on degrowth, Anitra Nelson, and I think she just gave a perfect answer. I think that um, globalisation has its faults and many faults. Entrusting um, our systems of how we relate and how we be to centralise and distant governments um, is very problematic. We've, from what I understand, we've evolved to be able to relate to about 300 people max. And when you don't have that intimate relationship with people, um, you can't really make decisions on their behalf properly. So that's why when centralised governments make decisions it's based on who they know which is the property developers and biggest business or whoever else is uh, mm. donating to the party uh, so self-organized self-organizing um, into smaller groups so um, the supply chains are more closed so whoever wherever you're living and whoever you're living with uh, whether or not that's in a large intentional community or a small town of, you know, semi-dependent interrelated people, to whatever extent you have a, a autonomy over the means of production, um, such as local manufacturing, such as growing your own food and um, pr providing services in kind so you're less dependent on the banks and money and um, are all steps in that direction. Whilst we're heading that direction, I think any government that goes, hold on, let's not put all our bread into one basket. Uh, let's mm. not put all our economy into housing speculation or constructing industry or... Uh, which is what Australia is increasingly doing. Um, in my opinion, it's a Ponzi scheme. Um, and to instead look at, you know, what does a diversified wellbeing economy looks like that doesn't have to grow? And so then you start um, looking at things. Well, what makes people happy? It's not how many things we have, uh, but really how much we are valued and validated by the people around us. I mean, that, that's, that's ultimately, um, if people like you or um, 
<laughs> or if they don't like you but you feel important by the fact that they don't <laughs> like you and you get that dopamine rush i mean that's that's what that's what keeps us chug, chugging along it's um i always find it really 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 curious that we've turned so much of the natural planet into machines and items that we consume if you would and how many of, of the other animal and plant species we've, we've decimated? I mean, it's, it's genocide on an interspecies scale, what we've done. And at least we could have been happy from that. Mm. Um, but instead we're consuming and just looking so miserable and going, poor me, as we extract, you know, the last bits of oil from the planet and, and, and looking so miserable. And I just wonder what would happen if we were invaded by aliens and they started taking over the ho our homes and but they all look so sad as they were doing it and they were going mm. poor me and, and nobody likes me but i'm so right <laughs> and uh, all the other aliens are so wrong <laughs> it's just like you, 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 mm. you know, um, you're displacing us but you're not even happy what's going on surely that could be one outcome of it so um it's ridiculous if you look at it. It's so ridiculous. And um, the only thing I want out of what I do is to create systems that are slightly less ridiculous <laughs> or at least genuinely make, make us happy. You know, if we're going to destroy the planet, at least <laughs> let us get some joy out of it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sorry, um, that's a bit of gallows yeah. humor there. <laughs> I love no. This is yeah no. It's very Michael. It's <laughs> thank you for your, thank you for your joy in it. And yeah, I don't think anybody takes that to be literally. I think everybody gets where you're going with that. I um yeah I as you were sharing, I was getting this this visual of you know in the Matrix. I think it's the second or the third one where um it's probably the third one pardon me anyway, i'll describe the scene and i'm sure you'll remember it um because we have similar interests the uh the chancellor takes neo down to the machine level uh, where the the city's machines of zion are kind of functioning and operating and there's a machine down there that purifies the water there's a machine down there that regulates the air and he has this conversation with him and he goes you know um it seems like there are these like, you know, we often think that the machines are the enemy because, you know, there, there's these machines coming to attack Zion and destroy humankind as they know it in the Matrix. And then he remarks that there are actually these machines that are here that are also, you know, supporting us and giving us life. And uh, I think it's, I, I always remark on that, like that moment, it was quite a powerful moment in the Matrix for me to sort of understand that, you know, there's, I feel like there's some level of potential, um, yeah, maybe this is not the direct lesson to be drawing from that scene, but for me it was this conversation around potentially like, you know, the same tools in the right hands or in the wrong hands kind of conversation and the whole dance around balance and intention in and around there, you know, like there could be like things can support us and there, you know, but also the intention behind the way things are supporting us and potentially where that's coming from. So what that kind of, segues me into is I guess one of these conversations that I was looking forward to having with you today is there's a lot of I think those tuning in will 
like <laughs> easy to remark just how you know concerned like and how critical like critically aware you are of all the things that have been coming up for the planet and like i yeah i resonate with a lot of what you're saying in terms of all these challenges we're facing and i personally feel like a lot of us try not to look at it almost because it's so painful to look at. Like you talk about how ridiculous it is and it's so painfully obvious that you're looking at it that you'd rather just like, Oh fuck, that's ridiculous. Like I can't even, I can't even talk about it. Do you know what I mean? But the reality is we need to have a conversation about it and digging into that. The conversation that exposes itself for me is you and I know each other because we've met at spiritual meditation retreats and, you know, I hate to sort of oust you because <laughs> I know there's like a massive science background there. I've, um, I've, I've already outed myself on my own <laughs> podcast. So, <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, <laughs> lucky. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I've opened the can of words. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's unpack that, right? So the conversation mm. around, you know, what, where, does, where does spiritual development then come into it, you know, and why is that such an important piece for you in and around external activism? What is this internal world that, you know, uh, that we're exploring and, and potentially the why, like, you know, w- you know what, what is driving you to, to explore your internal world and kind of what is the need for that or what is, what is the impulse for that or is there a reasoning that you've kind of had to come to spirituality? Not that we're not always all spiritual. That sounds kind of rude, but I think you get the question I'm asking, right? Yeah, yeah, look, I do. And this is something I always ask myself. Uh, I was a very different person uh, 10 years ago before I started doing the internal work on um, spirituality. And I think if I had not done that, I was a lot more abrasive and argumentative back then. And um, I felt, feel that hadn't I done that, uh, I would have got caught up into a a lot of what the activists get caught up in uh, to to a greater degree than I do at the moment, which is that, as I alluded before, that dopamine rush of I'm right and you're wrong and um, when you see what a lot in the political left uh, have uh, got themselves into which is which is a lot of infighting I mean in the veganism movement of which I'm part of um, we have welfareism versus uh, abolitionism um, then you have free speech versus um, identity politics, and then you have um, per capita consumption and inequality versus population, and you know they're all gnashing each other and at loggerheads. And I think one thing that, well, the main thing that spirituality has helped me with is to recognise that they're all isms, that they're all construct of a human mind and that we can't possibly, um, no one can possibly ever be right about everything. In fact, we can't be totally right about anything, you know, Um, and that it's made me okay that um, everything that I say is in part a crock of shit. (laughs) And... um, 
and it's partly a crock of shit because you have infinite, you have an infinite universe mm. interacting with everything in it infinitely on all infinite scales. And we can only absorb a part of that. So the limitations of our five senses or, you know, at least on 3D land <laughs> through our five senses, um, perhaps with some other aspects like intuition and, um, yeah, through through the five senses and also through the filtering of our stories because we're story-making machines. And so and everything seems to turn into uh, this versus that um, mm. and uh, victim story. It's, it's funny. We, we all think we're victims being perpetrated against by others and when you... <laughs> and we're all judging others whilst desperately hoping that no one else is judging ourselves um we all hate being told that we're wrong and someone else is right uh but we all love it when we're right and the other person's wrong and whoo dopamine rush gets out of that and so we often mistake that for activism um so spirituality has helped unshackle that um, it's helped humble me. It's shown me that existence is vastly more complex and simple um, than day-to-day -day life would give, may give credence to. And also just hold on lightly to your stories because they're just that, they're stories. Hmm. Hmm. The dialogue potentially around... Um, I can't believe I'm going to go here. <laughs> a little bit nervous. Um, yeah, some part of me has always asked this question. I'd love to just ramble on it with you. Um, at the fear, <laughs> at the fear of those, yeah, at the fear of those tuning in, potentially not, yeah, just potentially seeing that there might be more to this than just pure curiosity and me exploring this with you in a conversation and, you know, this doesn't reflect in any way my intent, total disclaimer, or, yeah, how I feel about things. Um, but, yeah, what about the conversation around impermanence? Like if everything is dissolving and everything is impermanent, um, maybe this is the exit strategy. Um, does that thought cross your mind? I've actually had this... Um conversation with another friend who's an activist but also is strongly tied in with, with um, activism as well mm. and we said well maybe this is the only way to go so what we should be doing is making the problem worse like we should be getting everyone <laughs> to vote for conservative parties we should be every meal should be meat and factory farmed meat um we should both have like a hundred kids each and, <laughs> and turn them into corporate consumers um and so then everything will collapse quicker and and then you, you know we just chugging something along that doesn't want to be around anymore. I mean, you know, I often wonder is, is the human experiment over and is activism to try to band-aid or, or reverse that 
just trying to, um, you know, keep a boulder away from what it wants to do, which is to roll downhill. So I, I grapple with this a lot. Um, and I suppose my only response, it's not in my being to try and make things worse. And also, you know, even if we are all societies to collapse and we're all going to, um, you know, <laughs> exit the 3D plane, um, does, doesn't mean there aren't other planes of existence and doesn't mean that whatever our resonances and intent are won't impact on those other planes, you know. So um, if, if we go out with saying there was a better way and I was um, championing that, but I was coming in from a place of love and compassion and love for the natural world, whether or not that intent may carry over into another modality or, or being or, um, you know, the, the next species that inherits the earth or, uh, or mm. things like that. Um, yeah, it gets very meta. Uh, yeah. I, I remember I started going down this path, actually talking about this um, at a talk last year and <laughs> And the, the MC said, all right, we've got to stop there. So I totally understand uh, that it's a very uncomfortable thing to talk about. But um, I, I suppose it's, you know, you go with your, you act with your heart, um, but be completely okay that it's not going to change the world or that you're possibly coming at it from the wrong angle or it's for um, as far as we can conceive that it may be for, for nothing. Um, but I, I suppose it's just that I can't imagine acting in a different way than mm. I do. And if I can't do that, well, um, I may as well do that until I start voting conservative, which I hope doesn't happen, but <laughs> yeah, I, um, I remark on that. Because, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. And I feel that the when you mention that it's it's not in my in my being to make things worse, I do believe in this inherent kind of spiritual expression that everybody is living, you know, and I feel like, yeah, for the most part, I think that is I believe because I get to choose my beliefs, right? So I believe that that is a force for good um inherently and i do think that you know the illusion of the world that we live through potentially has some sour manifestations potentially that are you know leave us you know a bit hamstrung from actually actualizing our our goodness um which may be a naive way of putting it but even in that naivety i think one of the things that i consistently end up finding myself having to acknowledge is on a simple term, you know, this, this age old quote, which goes, you know, I was, um, I was smart or I was intelligent and I tried to change the world. And, and then, you know, I became wise and I tried to try, started changing myself. Um, you know, and that one was a lot to sit with initially because in spite of evolution, like for me personally, it's like this, you know, let's, let's have the conversations, you know, to try and move forward to, you know, what's next. And I think this is, you know, uh, 
like similar one of those conversations you know it's like what is next beyond post-growth like what does a steady state growth world look like you know and i think on a on a spiritual level for me it's it's this real remarkable kind of place to be in that okay like what i look for is what i manifest now i'm very conscious of that because on some part of that it's like am i not am i choosing not to look at things or am i choosing you know it's like this real like am i not turning over stones that I should be turning over, but am I part of the problem with that? And I, I bring that in. One of the podcasts I did was with this beautiful sister, Sean Corn, and she um, she mentioned how when she went to the volunteer in Africa, she, um, you know, to support, you know, they've got an AIDS epidemic and, and try and support them through that process. She rocked up, you know, sleeves rolled up, ready to ready to help out, you know, and she had all this money to sort of invest and support. And they, and they told her to rattle off. And they're like, look, do you see like what is going on? And she was like, what? She was like, I'm here to help. And she, they, were, and they were like, no, like there is some part of you that is the problem. Like, you know, you're, uh, let's just go there. Sorry to sound racist, but you're a white person with a bunch of money trying to throw money at a problem, you know, in our face and like trying to cure it. And that's, you know, we, we need genuine empowerment. We don't, we don't need your money, you know? And it was this really interesting like moment for her and she shared it so eloquently on the podcast. I feel okay sharing it on. I wouldn't dare sort of, you know, go there really without having that kind of background. Um, And one of the things she shared, which was really kind of a real deep place to go on a podcast was she was talking about owning her privilege, you know, this conversation around whether she likes it or not, we're all in our story. You know, she's born a certain color. She's born a certain way. She's born with a certain, and then she's born with a certain ability as well. And it's like, okay, well, if I'm in my story, how do I use this platform, this privilege, this story to kind of invoke the change, you know? Um, And I don't think it's serendipitous that, you know, you and I like are on this journey holding podcasts because she sort of shared that, you know, now her work has been to travel around the world and just really listen. Like that's all she's up to at the moment instead of like, and she raised millions of dollars to support people. Uh, but at the moment, the conversation for her is, you know, I'll fly to this place. I'll go there. I'll spend time with, with people in, you know, different parts of the system and just listen to the problems that they have, you know, and just listen and listen and just, and just draw upon that. And that's where she's at with it at the moment. And I think the podcast gives us an amazing place to sort of listen to these ideas and ruminate. And I'm not surprised that new ideas are birthing at the moment. Um, but I think ultimately what it invited me into and reaffirmed for me was again, to see things, um, yeah, like focus, focus matters, I think to some degree for me, it's like focusing on what it is that I want to see more of in the world and consistently channeling my energy towards that. Because sometimes when it's like, well, I don't want to look at that, but you're playing the hero to the victim and you're in that dialogue, you know, you kind of perpetuate thing that you're resisting is persisting. But then there is also the, and by avoiding that, am I avoiding the stone being unturned and revealed for its own healing? Any insights on some of that conversation? Have you sat with that a little bit? Wow. Yeah. And look, what what I think it comes down to is balance. Um, I'm going to go down here. I thought it was Thomas Jefferson who said this quote, but they actually don't know who started the quote, but it's... uh, it's roughly the cost of peace is eternal vigilance. Um, and the 
price that we pay for language and relative truths is constant vigilance uh, and constantly trying to find that um, balancing act through the modalities of leaving language through the modalities of critical thinking when you are in language and um, constant vigilance on each other, um, that good intentions don't go to astray, um, constant vigilance on ourselves, constant vigilance on our own vigilance so we're not being too hard on ourselves. Mm. And yeah, it's it's funny, I because um, I've done, because <laughs> I invested in spirituality and invested in activism for so many years, I felt myself split, like in two discrete lands, and getting frustrated in opposite directions. That the um, activists are getting burnt out and achieving very little, and often, sometimes, good intentions can make problems worse um as as in your friend's example because there wasn't that element of listening you know there's that hero's journey of um, there's a problem i'm going to march it and i'm going to be the one to fix it without understanding all the nuance and mechanisms of what created that that issue in the first place um in terms of i there's a balance between um understanding what the problems are but without being too personally caught up into them so there's an always an element of you that doesn't get sucked into that relative reality or that relative Story that does remain centred and pure, but at the same time, <laughs> um, not resist that too much and not to um, be too invested in creating a reality where everything's going to be abundant or okay, um, because, you know, um, gonna, <laughs> might feel a little bit silly if it doesn't pan out that way. Um, furthermore, risks spiritual bypassing, um, which in my opinion is um, as frustrating as activists being caught up in their own dogma or isms. Um, and that to me is just because it's too much of an imbalance one way or other. Um, how do we create the balance? I think uh, we do that by spending time outside of language. Um, and always trying to come from a place of compassion and engagement of holding lightly to your stories um, and use that compassion that you gain from spiritual practice in, in, into an active engagement, trying to bring the two together, um, try not to create the dualism um, as, as I still do. Uh, it, it, it's interesting, isn't it, uh, that I personally think, and this is one of the uh, one of the things that holistic activism looks in that um, I've been involved in, one of my um, colleagues, uh, Mark Allen, founded that. And um, it's based on, it recognises that really anyone's an activist at certain a certain stage. And it depends in part on 
how much you're willing to tackle an issue when it's an abstract concept that's not directly affecting you. Uh, but, you know, when something is affecting us enough, we're all going to be um, activists to some extent. So, you know, no, we're seeing this with some in the spirituality movement uh, with the COVID pandemic and the Victorian government's responses to that, um, that some in the spirituality movement are becoming a lot more politically engaged than perhaps that they were. And that, you know, that's just an interesting phenomena that um, we, we've all got the internal in us and we've all got the external engagement and to uh, make sure you get the balance right and you're fighting for the right thing is is tricky when we're in the modality of language and duality and isms which mm. we kind of be stuck in at the moment for whatever <laughs> reason i don't know mm. yeah I'm trying to break through the pop through the bubble of consciousness to the other side and see mm. what's there i guess one of the questions i've got um, save us popping through into a whole new consciousness, I guess, um, is where do we go from here, Michael? So what what is the prescription? What can we do? Do you have a bit of a, a how-to for us? Like where, where can one start to be, yeah, um, more, I want to use the word vigilant about their peace, but for me personally, I, I don't resonate with the conversation around vigilance and peace. Uh, I wish I hadn't said that because <laughs> now I've opened a can of worms. What? Um, do you disagree with me, Amrit? <laughs> but I am right and you are wrong. Look at my burrowed frow. <laughs> um, I've got a bitch about comes... you to my echo chamber now. So <laughs> that will show you, that will make the world right. <laughs> so it's, uh, do yeah. as I say, not do as I do. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I have to qualify what I said. So, um, yeah, just I feel I did believe in that a lot in terms of vigilance um, resulting in peace. And recently, actually, very recently, I started realizing peace has been a massive intention for mine that I've been carrying through my meditations. And I realized how many places in my system, in my body, like just from a yoga perspective, I'm holding on. Like I'm just holding on. And it's that vigilance that's just like, you know, like holding space, just trying to hold on. And a download for me recently just from that space has been to, to like let go and trust in peace, like just trust that it will be peaceful even if I let go, you know, and, that, and you know, the peace of, even that goes way deep, like <laughs> let go of your own life even, you know, can you surrender to death, to the peace of, you know, and just the fears that bubble up with all of that. So, sorry, existential tangent. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that that's no. the only that's the only reason why I really, like, I don't resonate with it. But, you know, I, I mm. did for a while and I kind of I see where you're going with that. I guess the question still remains for me is for those that are tuning in, like where do we – what would be the prescription in your recommendation? Like I know there are so many access points to us to start to make an impact that, you know, um, you know, can make a difference for, for some people like myself, it's legitimately as simple as deleting um, online shopping apps, you know, like consumerism is like a thing, you know, and it's just like just deleting those apps so that, so they, so they move away. Um, all these little, little habits and hacks and stuff. Do you have access points that you like to recommend to people? Um, that you're particularly passionate about? Yeah, I, I, I guess um, I, I personally find the most invaluable thing is to engage 
with nature in any form um, back in pre-lockdown days when we could actually go to, you know, um, yeah. real by today's standards, mm. uh, nature. And even, even now, just to really examine the garden, um, or the, the Merry Creek, you know, or, or the bushlands that are near us and just really be conscious of what's going on there and let go of the thoughts just so that when we do go back to being um, active or engaging with the world that we've got an idea of what we're doing it for. Mm. Uh, it's because we love this world and want to see it continue and want to see all the other species and birds and animals and flowers and bees um, and plants around. So, you know, when we do go back and uh, attempt to initiate change that we're, we're coming from a love of the natural world um, rather than a love of our ism or us being right or, or correct. Um, or, or the love of the words and the language we're spinning or the judgments of others. Um, in, in terms of, I, I suppose, uh, um, practicalities, I, I mean, th th there are things I recommend. I recommend checking out holistic activism uh, for, for those who are inclined to be activists in, in particular. Uh, that's just come out with a guided meditation now, which is meditation for activists. And in that meditation, how to um, be at one in peace when you're engaging with someone with a different set of values um, to, to, to oneself, which I really highly recommend. Um, I think building relationships with our neighbours um, and any access to soil and ground and being able to, to grow things is a good start, even if it's just, you know, engaging with a, you know, with, with, with something more intimately, more intimately mm. how we engage the plant worlds. And I think learning skills too. So anything that you can do where instead of having to go and buy it, uh, you can kind of, oh, I can do that myself. Like, um, for example, I make my own salve and skin cream using the comfrey and calendula I grow from the garden. I haven't yet pressed my own macadamia oil, <laughs> but, uh, but it, look, it's, it's, it, it's a start and maybe not enough of a start and maybe too little too late, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and also meditation and whatever gets you out of language and words for as long as possible and out of thought for as long as possible. Um, I, I, during while I've been saying this, I've been thinking about your response to the vigilance and you know a part of me is totally getting this and um, I suppose that's why I joked vigilance against their own vigilance <laughs> <laughs> so because again again if, if you're too busy being vigilant all the time that's just a yet another imbalance so um, 
<laughs> a balance against balance. So it's okay to be in balance. Mm. Oh, the world we live in. Wow. I know. I know. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I um. I really appreciate just uh. Yeah. Just your time, your energy, Michael. The the conversation to um. Yeah. Just. I think for me the the remarkable courage with which you're not afraid to be informed i think that is something to just really really take note on for me personally um and potentially i think those tuning in you know it'd be hard to miss that i think um i don't want to call everybody out and offend everybody in one fell swoop and i'm not saying that anybody's guilty of this but ignorance is bliss is a term you know and it's um i think just with the state of the world and the way things are, um, you know, there are lots of things to, to sort of be of concern about for sure. And I think those tuning into the Inspired Evolution will find this podcast um, a little bit more disconcerting than, than, other, than other podcasts potentially that we've put out and specifically because the Inspired Evolution is on that conversation of, okay, this is what we see. This is what we're calling in. Let's have that conversation. But I'm really grateful that, you know, we can up, turn some of these stones and have a look and go, yep, are we having the right conversations? Let's keep going towards, you know, the future that that we see um, and want to call in. Um, I think it's it's been really remarkable. And and in that, just your your fortitude and your willingness to, to really sit with these things and, uh, even just the simple things, which are really the hard things, which is being okay to be debated against and to kind of be okay with being wrong. Like I'm not saying I've challenged you today, but I've, I know, you know, that, you know, not everybody may share the same views as you do. And I can imagine it's frustrating at times when, like we've discussed, they've, some of them are really rational. <laughs> um, and yeah, just the grace and the humor with which you, always manage to conduct yourself is is really remarkable brother so thank you so much for your time today yeah can i just say one thing is it's really nice once your ego can get over it with being wrong <laughs> it's liberating <laughs> it's like imagine trying to be right about everything it's exhausting mm. no wonder people are exhausted so <laughs> be be wrong sometimes it's just like yes i don't get it awesome <laughs> great i love that Thank you for mm. that invitation, bro. And just lastly, can I ask you a question that I'd love to ask at the end is, what does an inspired evolution mean to you? Ooh, an inspired evolution, um, without trying to repeat the words, because I think they, so, but I, I think it's just, for me, it's 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 recognizing that we're in one place, and it could be so much better. It could be so much loving, so much more equitable, so much more mindful, so much um, more interconnected and loving. And as much as as I've probably sounded like a um, pessimist and a party pooper, <laughs> that 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 it all is possible and will continue to be possible. Um, whether or not I'm around to see it, it's always possible. And we always need to be inspired and there's always the opportunity to evolve in, into something that's that's different. And I love the two words you put together. I Just just to quickly mention that I, I remember like a couple of years ago, it, it, it's, I think this ties in, um, my 
Facebook feed is full of gloomy shit. Um, and then I saw the Inspired Evolution Facebook feed and then all the good stuff that people are doing. <laughs> and that was my balance. And it was my, it was actually often my social media panacea. So for that, I can't be grateful enough for um, you cheering me up. <laughs> Thank you so much, brother. Yeah, thank you for that kind reflection. It's uh, It's been a massive intention of ours. And for those tuning in, you probably know the Facebook page. Um, but yeah, we're consistently just, the like it's, I think it says it on the page. I'm sure it says it on the page, actually. <laughs> it's uh, like trying to promote good news media. Yeah, just, you know, there's plenty of conversations that are worth having that are being had on the internet. But I think we all know that, you know, uh, like the t- negative news kind of travels that little bit faster and they actually have done research on it. It's four to five times faster than good news. So kind of just taking the time and energy to be like, there is good stuff happening. You know, like we are coming up with technologies that are, you know, cleaning our waterways. You know, we're bombing the world with seeds. Like we've got seed bombs. There's going to be more trees, more like, you know, we're coming up with great technologies to, to support the future and just, yeah, providing an outlet to have that conversation. Michael, brother, thank you so much for today. For those tuning in, um, yeah, these these topics and more, uh, diving deeper into this. And this is um, us exploring Michael. And then Michael um, takes the time and energy to get experts in the post-growth, steady-state kind of field, spirituality fields onto his podcast to have some of these deep dive conversations as well. So you've enjoyed that kind of frequency, these kind of deep conversations where potentially there may not be any answers, but we're happy to kind of explore and just go from non-judgment to sort of see, you know, what is possible for the future of a world that is post-growth. Check out Michael's podcast. Thank you, Amber. And can I do a final you? Can I do <laughs> If you're rude not to, go. <laughs> you! <laughs> I can see why you do it now. I feel better already. <laughs> Thanks for listening in to another amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. If you're loving these episodes, make your way across to YouTube, click subscribe. Fresh episodes are launched every Monday with highlights being released throughout the week. Thank you so much. And hey guys, just so you know, a lot of love, heart, soul and work goes into these episodes. So if you could, please leave us a five-star review and comment on iTunes. I love reading your positive feedback. It fans the flames of the passion to continue to create and help you live the life that you love. Thank you so much for your wonderful feedback. I can't wait to see you again in the next episode. Big love from Amrit. And remember to stay inspired to evolve. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.